Hey, hey, what's going on? Welcome to the jungle. I'm Jim Rome. We start hour number two. As you know, it's a three-hour program. Nice to have you here. Tremendous Monday to you. All right, so the way this is setting up, if all goes well, I am currently efforting Jane Slater, a reporter, reporter for the NFL Network. Mike Sando, a senior NFL writer for The Athletic, would be next segment. Bomb the hours wide open. The big head, James Kelly and I, break down one but not two of the games because we already hit the Buffalo-Pittsburgh game last Friday, and then that game was moved because of weather. So he and I both made our pick on that game already. We have not picked Tampa and Philly. So he and I will talk about that, among other things, at the top of our number three. In the interim, I'm taking your reaction. 1-800-636-8686. If you want to hit me up on the X, you can, at Jim Rome. You can email me too, Rome, R-O-M-E, at habitate.com. Romer, it's plain to see that the Jera is the Cowboys' Crip Night. Signed, Andy in Portland. It's like Crip Night. War Big Head making us stacks. Right, if you faded him, like I did. Stuck nuts in. He asks, the Tommy in Detroit? Okay, first of all, nut, if you have to ask, then there is no answer. You got this backwards, nut. We go to you for things like that. You can't come to us. If you don't know the answer, surely I don't know the answer. The Tommy he's talking about is the Tommy who once upon a time gave us the famous walrus sound. More on that in a minute. But as promised, we are joined right now by an NFL Network reporter, also a contributor to 105.3 The Fan in Dallas. NFL Game Day kickoff airs today at 2 p.m. Eastern on NFL Network, leading up to the game between the Steelers and the Bills. We are joined by Jane Slater. Jane, it's great to have you back. How are you? I'm great, Jim. Every time you call, you know, I make time for you. I know, I know you do, and I appreciate that so much, Jane. Great to have you on. You always make it better. So, Cowboy fans, Jane, have grown accustomed to playoff disappointment, but did yesterday's loss to Green Bay, was that rock bottom, and what is the latest from Big D this morning, Jane? You know, it's interesting. I didn't say, I didn't use the words, how do you power rank this one, Jerry? Uh, that probably wouldn't have been the most sensitive way to approach this one, but I did ask him where this one stacked, and he said that this was pretty high up there and mostly because of the expectations they had for this team and the opportunity in front of them. I mean, Jordan Love has been playing exceptionally exceptionally well uh, in this last stretch of six games this season, but they had an opportunity against this secondary. And then particularly at the end of the game when Jair Alexander uh, exited with an ankle injury, you know, he was questionable leading up to the game. And so, it was the way they lost. It was the penalties. It was the forcing of the run. So questionable play calls. It was the body language of C.D. Lamb and Dak Prescott when things weren't going right early on, something that had been discussed early on in the season. Uh, and it was rearing its head again. This team just flat out came out not ready to play. And more importantly, Jim, you know how important fans are to Jerry Jones. They were booing and exiting before the fourth quarter. 
those things never go well with Jerry Jones. Jane Slater joining us to that very point, Jane. You've covered Jerry Jones for many years. Have you ever seen him as despondent as he appeared to be in addressing the media yesterday? I have. Uh, He was pretty frustrated after the Cowboys-Rams loss when Jason Garrett was the coach. Remember, he kept him another year. And then it was the most interesting firing process. I actually went back to my notes to look this up. If you'll recall, they 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 won the game against Washington. Eagles won the division, so they were out. And again, this was the year after he gave Jason that extra year, which I think in hindsight he wished he hadn't. Uh, they did the exit interviews, the cleaning out of the lockers. There was a one-hour conversation on a Wednesday, and then by Thursday we got news that that Jason was out the door, and I sort of pressured Jerry on this last night, given the fact there are so many intriguing head coaches available right now. You know, the biggest issue for Jerry is postseason success, and right now the winningest coach in the postseason, Bill Belichick, with his 31 playoff wins, is available. And back in 2019, Jerry was on 105 through the fan, which I contribute to, and said that he was an Aspen at Snowmass, getting his grandkids skis, and it was Bill Belichick who tapped on his shoulder and said, this was after he lost his job in Cleveland, said, if you ever get a head coaching job, come find me. And I just think it's really interesting the way things have aligned right now. Uh, Jerry wouldn't get into it. He essentially said, coaches, that's not a pressure situation for him, sort of indicating that if he wanted to go get someone, he could. Uh, But you also have this dynamic right now where last year I was told He was really frustrated after that loss in Santa Clara. I mean, how embarrassing the final image we have is Ezekiel Elliott lining up at center and getting blown back. Uh, No answers after Tony Pollard got injured. Um, But in that case, they decided to keep Mike, I was told, because they didn't want to pay him out the two years remaining on his contract and then pay a new head coaching staff. But you did notice coaching changes. All the coaches that expiring contracts were gone. Jerry was frustrated that he considered Mike to have one of the largest rosters for coaches uh, in the league and wasn't finding success, so he downsized it. And then Mike kind of upset Kellen Moore in his exit interview uh, that he obviously said at the podium, and Kellen Moore turned in his resignation, so that was the one where he walked. But it was just really, really interesting. We didn't expect some of those changes last year. You know, Mike's gotten play calling. They had to move on from his defensive coordinator in his first year. They downsized uh, this year and still not having success. So I think that's why there's going to be some real soul-searching and some deep diving. And the other layer to this, Jim, is you can't move on from the quarterback right now. I mean, Dak went up to the podium and supported Mike last night, but he's got a very significant, about a $60 million cap hit next year that's going to hit, and he's got a no-trade clause. So I don't see them going out and getting an OC guru as we've seen, you know, some of these other places uh, or try and go find a D'Amico Ryan like Houston got. I think if he were to make a change, it would have to be someone that's a bona fide postseason coach that can, and more importantly, Jim, change the culture of that locker room. I think that's what also uh, everyone in that building seems to think needs to happen. So well said. Jane Slater joining us right now. Jane, I'm like I'm like you. I'm not looking to get anybody fired. I'm not looking to take food off anybody's plate. But how would it play in that town with that fan base if Jerry doesn't make a significant move? And then secondarily, what about the thing that you brought up, the dynamic, the fit between Belichick and Jerry? Can you see that working? 
Uh, I'll answer the first question uh, first. I think that fans are almost apathetic, which is what Jerry doesn't want. But there were many years a lot of people thought he should have moved on from Jason Garrett, and he didn't, right? And I will say this about Mike. He's not getting you a lot of eight and eight seasons. He is getting you the 12 and five seasons, which I think is all the more frustrating. Uh, it's like that kid in school that you know is really, really smart, but they just don't apply themselves sometimes. <laughs> I feel like that's Mike in this roster. And so I, I truly believe this could go either way. I actually got a text this morning when I was talking to somebody about this, and I'll read it to you uh, internally. It was, I have no idea, but I'd imagine all imaginable options will be discussed, and I wouldn't rule out anything. Uh, so I think that answers your first question. And then uh, what was your second question, Jim? Bill, I'm terrible Bill, at Bill, Bill Belichick. I mean, what yeah. about – Well, I mean, great. They saw each other at a chairlift or at a ski <laughs> mountain. What about the fit? What about that dynamic? How do you think that would work? Well, here's why – it's interesting. I Bill Parcells, I covered him my first year working in sports, and that was a really, really interesting power dynamic. I'm sure you remember it too, Jim. I didn't think it worked, and that's why I always said Sean Payton and Dallas would absolutely never work. I mean, we're already seeing sort of the, the friction in Denver because he's used to so much autonomy as it relates to the draft and what he's going to say and not wanting leaks, you know, the phone calls coming from within the building. I caught up with Bill in Miami at the Super Bowl because I was curious about that very thing and the the effusive admiration that Jerry Jones had for Bill. And you know when Bill gets asked like a special teams question and he sort of lights up? That was the way that Bill lit up as it related to Jerry. For whatever reason, those two make no sense when you think about it, but I think both really, really want to change the narratives right now about what their legacies are. I mean, there's a lot of questions about Bill. You know, was it Bill or Tom uh, in New England? And I think that there would be a deference on some level. I don't think you'll ever see Jerry hand over the reins, but I saw it a little bit early on with Mike uh, where he wasn't giving you the injury report on a Wednesday or telling you that the left tackle was going to be out of a game or playing if they were trying to have gamesmanship. And so I think a guy like Bill could come in here and have the respect of Jerry because Jerry, he covets those Lombardis. And no one has more of them than Bill. And I think Bill has a deference for Jerry with the way that he's built that franchise and his commitment you know, to success. And so I think the, the rub would be how would he work out with the scouts and the personnel department, and how would he handle some of Jerry's post-game press conferences and his radio interviews during the week. So I think that's the thing that all of us sort of question, but I tend to think that Bill would be more successful than Sean Payton here in Dallas, which I know sounds strange, uh, but I I feel like that marriage would be more interesting. I think it'd be fascinating myself. Jane, one last thought. And again, we were talking about Mike McCarthy as if he's gone and he's not. I want to reference that point. But, like, what do you think Jerry's headspace is on this very topic? Like, for instance, if he makes a change and he brings Belichick in and they do get the Lombardi, to me, I would give Jerry credit. Like, yeah, Jerry, I know that's not the way you're wired. I know you don't want to necessarily share that, but you did what you had to do and you won. 
Would he see it that way, or do you think it would kind of hurt him in the sense that, well, wait a minute, I'm not going to get the credit I deserve because I had to go out there and get the GOAT to get that thing done when he wants to do it his way and get it his own way? Yeah, I mean, I think there were some lessons learned, uh, you know, after the Jimmy uh, divorce. And, you know, there's been a little bit of a reconciliation, if you will, by putting him into the ring of honor. I think Jerry, uh, Jerry and fans and Michael Irvin, for that matter, truly thought the Jimmy curse was over and, and – you know, for whatever reason, they'd exercise a demon and they were going to go deep in the postseason. But I just, I think Jerry was a little bit waxing philosophical last night, even in our 10-minute postgame, where he did talk about, you know, the things that weren't working. And he's consistently said, you know, sometimes he's got to look at the man in the mirror. And so, you know, maybe he'll evaluate himself uh, as part of this process. I know fans listening are probably rolling their eyes at that notion, but you know, we have seen in recent years, he didn't get Johnny Mandel. Remember, he got Dak Martin. Um, a lot of the people internally wanted to keep Romo or wanted to move on and, and have Dak. And he, I think, struggled at times because he wanted Romo. And so what I will say about Jerry, and he doesn't get enough credit for, he actually does. It is a collective decision. And it's gotten more so like that in recent years. So I think a lot of people internally are going to weigh in on this. And Jerry does genuinely care about what fans have to say about it, and the media for that matter. I, you know, I had him on 105 Through the Fan for years when I did my radio show there, and uh, we were the official home of the Cowboy Station, and it was always fascinating to me how much Jerry liked to listen to what things were said about him. One story I was even told was he was getting driven to some place, and uh, the guys on the fan were just bagging on him, and he said, turn that up. I love when they talk like that. And so I... I I don't think people realize how much Jerry weighs information in making a decision. And I do think this one is, and I said to people, it's tricky, it's nuanced, and there are so many layers to this. And what, what is kind of tricky, too, is that Dak Prescott, I think shocking a lot of people, really publicly giving a testimonial for Mike McCarthy on the podium last night. He didn't have to do that, and he did. And so how many coaching changes are you going to make for your franchise guy that you can't move off of? Do you give this guy one more year in his contract, let this ride and then move on and maybe wink, wink to Bill, hey, we'll still be here, although I've been told that the Eagles are very much interested in Bill. Do you want someone in your division to grab him over you? So that's why I think there's a lot of layers to this, and that's why I didn't expect a, a firing like the Falcons did with Arthur Smith by midnight. There are so many layers, and you're right. The last thing that Jerry would want to do is have a guy that he holds in such high regard go to the enemy within the division. (laughs) She is an NFL Network reporter, a contributor to 105.3, the fan in Dallas. Remember, NFL game day kickoff today at 2 p.m. Eastern on NFL Network leading up to the game between the Steelers and the Bills. Jane, I know how busy you are, and I so appreciate you making time for us and coming back on. Great to talk to you, Jane. Thanks so much. Always a Jim Rome fan. Appreciate you. You too, Jane. Appreciate you so much. You're great. Jane Slater, and she is too. Great job. Great job of laying it out there. But she's covered that beat for so many years and been on the inside. And I I care what she has to say when it comes to that. All right, so that, that thing that she threw in at the very end, that what she's hearing is Philadelphia has an interest in Bill Belichick. If you're Jerry... And you love Bill the way you love Bill. And you let him go to Philly. There's no way Jerry ever lives with himself. But again, both of those coaches are still employed. 
Can you imagine a few weeks back that we would ever have the conversation about rock, paper, scissors, Sirianni, and even Mike McCarthy, because they were having such a good year, that we, or Bill Belichick, that we would be talking about who was going to win the Belichick sweepstakes, Philly or Dallas? I mean, how wild would that have been even a month ago? And it might be a thing now. When we come back, Mike Sando joins us. Your thoughts on what Jane Slater just had to say. And I do appreciate her. She's got a really busy day today and found time for us. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL playoffs, is bringing you an offer that will help make the playoffs electrifying. New customers can bet 5 bucks on any game and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. How are you going to beat that? You're not. You can't. So what you want to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use my code Rome R-O-M-E. New customers can bet just 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook. You have to use the code Rome R-O-M-E. The crown is yours. Must be present in a state where it's lawful to wager. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. CD. DKNG.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to The Jim Rome Show. Welcome back. Jim Rome with you on this Monday. What's going on? Listen, if you're on hold, stay there. I've not forgotten about you. I mentioned to you we'd go back-to-back at the top of hour number two, and that's exactly what we're going to do. Phone lines are open, or if you're on hold, you want to stay there. We'll roll some phone calls a little bit later on. But as promised, we're joined right now by a senior NFL writer for The Athletic, co-host of the Football GM podcast. He is a Pro Football Hall of Fame selector, Professional Football Writers of America board member, co-author of the recently released book, The Football 100, The Story of the Greatest Players in the NFL. I'm talking about Mike Sando. Mike, good to have you back. How are you? Good to be here, Jim. Thanks. Thank you, Mike. All right, so starting with the Cowboys, Mike, they implode in the postseason. It's a January tradition of sorts, but... They sunk to a new low, right? They got curb stomped at home by the Packers, allowing the most points in a playoff game in franchise history. Bottom line, Mike, and I know it's pretty layered, but where do you think Jerry Jones goes from here after that debacle? Yeah, I mean, Dak Prescott's development under Mike McCarthy has been great. You should want to contain, you continue that. However, I do believe that there are final scores and individual game results that make it hard to go forward, right, as a group. So... I've heard the Belichick rumors. I don't buy it as a good fit. I and mean, why would Bill want to do that and go there and have Jerry giving press conferences every week? Um, you know, I thought if McCarthy was out, it might be Quinn. But how do you be excited about that after what happened on defense? So I really don't know where he can turn right now. Um, after that, I think he's the common thread through all of this. You know, they're... They've lost a lot of playoff games, whether it was Bill Parcells, Wade Phillips. I think Jerry's culture is difficult for the coaches. I don't know if he's got a fix. I think it's him. 
Yeah, I absolutely agree with what you just said. I do think it's him. And you wonder, Mike, is there any way at all that he could possibly change? Is there any way at all that he might give? Like, to your point, and Jane Slater came on right before you and she made a similar point. Like, how would Bill Belichick handle Jerry and his press conferences and Jerry and his radio hits? And hey, you're right. That wouldn't work. Is there any way the two of those guys can meet halfway? Could you see that marriage working on any level? Yeah, I mean, I think Bill Parcells was there. It's probably the closest comp to Belichick, right? And they had some uh, moderate success there. But in the end, Bill wasn't going to do it uh, for that long. It's hard to do. You know, I wrote about my column today at The Athletic. Uh, you know, these owners, they're all different in terms of what they enjoy about owning the team. And Jerry couldn't stand it when Jimmy Johnson was getting the credit. He has to be front and center. And so... You know, how do you give that up once you've had that, right? It's really hard to do. And he hated it. Shoot, they had the best thing going in football, and he couldn't stand it. He said, he said 500 coaches could win with this team. He insulted Jimmy. He wanted the glory, and he's had it for 20, 30 years. How do you give that up when you don't have to? You're not accountable to anyone. Yeah, no, you're not. You're not. It's his team. But then how do you explain to your fans that that's more important than winning the whole thing? Because effectively, that's what it is. But here's how you do it. You fire coaches and blame people. Oh, Dak's not clutching the playoffs. Oh, McCarthy, this and that. That's the first thing I noticed last night is when this game happens, everyone's making fun of Dak and they're making fun of McCarthy. And I get, look, the players are accountable, too, for what happens in any one game. But it's the same stuff you could have been saying about Romo or Wade Phillips or Jason Garrett. It's all the same. The, the characters change. Why isn't it going to, to Jerry? That's where I put it right away. Mike Sando, uh, right. You know. I'm sorry. No, finish, finish that thought, Mike. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I'm good. Yeah. Okay, Mike Sandro joining us. I was going to say, I mean, we could talk Cowboys for all three hours. I'm trying not to, but I could. In fact, they picked a really bad day to have a really bad day, but Jordan Love was incredible. That's a young team playing not only with house money, Mike, but also with a ton of confidence. How much of a chance do you give them on the road against the top seed San Francisco? I think it's going to be really tough. Kyle Shanahan with two weeks to really dissect Green Bay, uh, that's really tough. I think they're, they're definitely a better team that's, that's further ahead in their development. Uh, but I do think the Packers were, uh, had, a, had good talent coming out of training camp. And then we probably just underestimated the challenge of having so many young guys, especially at receiver. The way they've grown out of that has validated some of the faith that was shown in their roster. They've had good pass rushers on that team. And Jordan Love was just a little bit a little bit all over the place and inconsistent. He's a back foot thrower, kind of not always the best fundamentals, and I think he was a little erratic for a while. But now he's hitting those plays. He's got the confidence. I think you can't take away. You can't just blame it all on the Cowboys. It was an awesome performance. Uh, Aaron Rodgers lost his first playoff game, then won four in a row after that to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> Jordan Love is ahead of schedule. Yeah, I thought the guy was unbelievable and has been for a number of weeks now. Mike Sando joining us. Mike, what about the Texans? They hammer the Browns. C.J. Stroud once again showed that he is a really special dude. But let me ask you this. How special? For instance, you can offer historical context because of the research you did for your book, The Football 100. Is there any comp historically for the kind of success that C.J. is having as a rookie quarterback? No, I couldn't find it. Now, Dak had a great rookie year and had good numbers in his uh, playoff game that year, but they lost. Uh, I think it was 34-31 on a last-second field goal to the, to the Packers, coincidentally. But I couldn't find one. I, I went through and looked. At, you know, Dan Marino only started nine games his, 
his first year and then lost in the first round of the playoffs as a big uh, you know, home favorite. So Matt Ryan, some of these guys have had good seasons, but I don't think there's anything close to it. And then backed up with the big playoff win against the number one statistical defense in the league, <laughs> you can't find it. I, I looked. Mike Sando joining us. You know, you got a wild card weekend, Mike, filled with blowouts, and then the Lions and the Rams combined for that shootout last night at Ford Field that lived up to all the advanced hype. What were your biggest takeaways from Detroit's first playoff win in 32 years? Uh, One is when you instill confidence in players, it makes a big difference. I think we've seen Pete Carroll with Geno Smith or Mike McDaniel with Tua Tungavaloa or now Dan Campbell with uh, Jared Goff. And then you back that up. In Goff's case, they threw twice in the final three minutes and 24 seconds to put the game away. So he, Campbell backed up that faith. It doesn't mean Jared Goff is the best quarterback in the league or they're going to win it all. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying when you believe and show belief in talented people, sometimes you get the best out of them. That was my takeaway there. On the Rams side, um, what a great job by then this season and and really, Stafford almost feels like the last of the gunslingers, doesn't he? I mean, he just the, the hits he was taking, that was like old-time football. But frustrating in the end, the timeout usage by Sean McVay. I put a little table into my column today showing the most timeouts burned with more than five minutes left uh, in a second half. And, Jim, they're all the same coaches. It's Sean Payton. It's, it's uh, John Gruden. It's... Sean McVay, it's all the guys who want to get the perfect play. And with 13 minutes left in the third quarter, you burn that timeout on third and 11 because you just want to get that play right. Well, you need those late in the game to come so far with this team and overachieve and then lose kind of in the margins on the little stuff frustrating. You know, Mike, it's, it's a really interesting point because the guys you mentioned, I would think to myself that these are not guys that I would be concerned about when it comes to time management. When I think about time management, I think about Mike McCarthy, but when you lay it out like that, it does make sense. Mike, before, because you mentioned Mike McDaniel in Miami, I want to get your thoughts on that. Like, I love the guy, and I think you're right. He's instilled so much confidence in Tua, but after back-to-back seasons of going one and done with road playoff losses, and you know all the other numbers and what they suggest about Miami when they run into good to better teams something there is lacking something's not working if we're up to you what changes would you make well we would all just add a tier one quarterback right easier said than done i think the issue they have in miami is that the afc is packed with cold weather teams that have joe burrow that have josh allen that have pat mahomes that have lamar jackson uh and and there's more uh, in, in that conference. So they really are in a situation where they have to get home field advantage in Miami to have a chance to go to the Super Bowl. And, you know, maybe they can run it back and have better uh, health on defense and, and get it, but it's going to be a tall order. You figure Buffalo's not going to be, you know, middling along most years. And so I think they probably, you know, they're going to have to probably as their starter next year, but I think they do have to be open to. Uh, what can we do? Is there any way we can draft somebody? Would we consider? Could we trade Tua and get Kirk Cousins with a couple picks? Is that a marginal upgrade? And then the picks help us get over the top. Really easy things to talk about in fantasy football. Hard to do with real people when you're trying to manage a team. So they're a little bit 
stuck with who they are. It's not bad, but it's not maybe as good as it needs to be. I think that's so well said. And that thing about Kirk Cousins is really interesting, right? Because of all the guys you mentioned, all those great tier one cold weather quarterbacks also add Justin Herbert in the sense that he's already been extended. Tua has not been extended. So we have to wait and see whether or not they extend him. One last thought, Mike, before you go, what about the Chiefs? So the defense Uh for Kansas City holds Miami to 264 yards. They had a dozen more first downs than Miami in that win. They had a regular season plagued by drop passes. How important, for instance, is the emergence of rookie receiver Rasheed Rice for their hopes to repeat as Super Bowl champs? How critical is that piece? Him, it's huge. And I was going back and looking at other great quarterbacks who maybe didn't have their best regular seasons and did they turn it on in the postseason. And there were a handful of them. But I kind of go back to the 2021 Chiefs. They were not very good for about the first 13, 14 weeks. And then the last four or five weeks of regular season and playoffs, they they sort of lit fire. Now, they had Tyreek Hill, so obviously a little bit of a different situation. But I just wonder, with a team like that that's been to the mountaintop, you know, you can't turn on a t- your TV during the game and not get the uh, Andy Reid commercials and, 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 and then obviously all the stuff going on with Travis Kelsey. I wonder if just now it's harder for this team to just really get up for everything and be your best all the time, right? It's kind of like a, a great boxer who's sparring through the regular season. He sometimes needs that great champion to go against or a, the bigger stakes. I wonder if they're just stepping it up a little bit of a notch because that looked different. That looked a little better to me. I think it's a very encouraging sign. No, I agree. That did look different. That looked a lot more like, well, them. He's a senior NFL writer for The Athletic, co-host of the Football GM podcast, also co-author of the recently released book, The Football 100, The Story of the Greatest Players in the NFL, Mike Sando, my guest. Mike, really appreciate it. Great to have you back on. Great job. Thanks so much. Hey, thank you. Mike Sando joining us. All right, so we've hit a lot of NFL on the first half of the program. Good content, good insight. Now I'm going to open it up to you, except for the top of the hour, when I will open it up to the big head, and I will break down one more game. You've got two games today. We already broke down one of those games on Friday. We have not talked about Philly and Tampa Bay. What if Tampa Bay wins that game? You know all hell is going to break loose in Philly, and they'll have definite questions about their coach. Now, what's interesting is Mike Sando just said, I just don't see Bill Belichick and Jerry Jones working. That it's just not a good fit. It won't work because of the way Jerry is. How is Bill going to handle Jerry and his pressers? How is Bill going to handle Jerry and his radio appearances? What's there for Bill? I mean, wins? A alleged Super Bowl-ready team? You know, if you're Bill Belichick, where would you rather go? How about this? Would you rather go to Dallas and have to deal with Jarrah? Or are you really not dealing with Jarrah because you actually hold Jarrah in high regard? But would you rather go to Dallas and deal with Jarrah? Or would you rather go, for instance, to Atlanta? And I'm guessing Arthur Blank gives you a lot more leeway and a lot more room. We know that Arthur Blank is not showing up at pressers and doing what Jarrah does. He doesn't have that whole look at me, look at me thing. What would you do if you're Bill Belichick? Where would you rather be? Atlanta, where you have some authority, control, power, autonomy. Or Dallas, where you have less of all those things, and you've got an owner who makes it about him. But a chance to win. And then get the record while coaching on the Dallas sideline? Or or Philadelphia, if that whole thing implodes. 
Who'd you rather have as quarterback? Jalen Hurts or Dak? Storylines are incredible, right? And then we have two more big games today. All right, we'll take a short time out. When we come back, I have an open segment for you. 1-800-636-8686. Here is your sports update. Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show on CBS Sports Radio. Clones, not all beef jerky is the same. You know this by now. Old Trapper is original old-fashioned teriyaki, hot and spicy and peppered. All come in four-ounce bags so you can sample different flavors and find the best one for you. Ask for Old Trapper by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? All right, telephone calls coming up in a moment, but I do want to say this. I know that I said I would spend the entire program on the Cowboys if they lost to the Packers. You got to admit, I've come pretty close to it. We have spent an awful lot of time, an awful lot of time on the Cowboys. But that's not why I have a take today on Texas's team. I'm here to declare the state of Texas for the Houston Texans because the Texans earned it, not because the Cowboys choked it away along with their season yet again. I hit this up on the X. After the Texans won. Cowboys, America's team, I'm not even sure they're Texas's team. And I said that before they got hammered by Green Bay. Please. Right? The Texans don't need the Cowboys to suck, to be a massive success. That's not my point. My point is that all that America's team nonsense is nonsense when America's team isn't even the best team in Texas. Especially since the Texans aren't just better than the Cowboys right now. They've been better. And they have a way brighter future. How about this? Since the Texans, it's an incredible stat. Since their inaugural season in 2002, despite all the problems they've had, Houston has more playoff wins than Dallas. So it's not even a new thing. The Texans have been the better team for a long time. And now C.J. Stroud has arrived, and it's not even close. I think pretty much everybody listening right now would rather have D'Amico Ryans than big Mike McCarthy. Flat out, I know everybody would rather have C.J. Stroud than Dak Prescott. To hear D'Amico talk about this dude, there isn't a quarterback in the world he'd rather have. And I am right there with the coach. CJ is the reason why we're in this position. He's special, special young man, special player, continues to shine no matter how big the moment is. Like our whole team is leaning on him and he has the shoulders to carry that weight. It's so true. They have put a lot on CJ. And so far, this dude has responded and thrived in every single situation. You want to talk about a dude with broad shoulders. I mean, anything they, ask, anything they ask of this guy or anything they ask him to do, he's game. He's up for. We might have seen his best performance yet on Saturday because he absolutely carved the Browns. Yo, Cleveland, what happened to your defense? 
Defense is supposed to travel in the playoffs, not no-show, not get completely and totally lit up by a rookie. Yeah, no, Joe Flacco turning back into Joe Flacco did not help. But the Browns' defense could have kept them in that game, and they did not. The Cleveland defense barely even slowed Houston at all. But then again, they barely showed up at all. Now, I'm not trying to get on Cleveland. They had a surprisingly great season. All things considered, they did have to start five different quarterbacks. They did lose Nick Chubb early in the season. Winning 11 games, despite all of that, was actually pretty amazing. But the reality is, they simply ran into a buzzsaw in Houston. A.K.A. Texas's team. A.K.A. Nick Casario's team. That clone, that clone had a vision. That clone is a genius. That clone had a vision that has become a reality, a beautiful reality, and a scary reality for the rest of the league. Like Jera. Jera said he was crushed because he thought the Cowboys were aligned and in great shape. Well, if Jera wants to see real alignment, actual alignment, All he has to do is watch the Texans and take notes because Houston has alignment. Houston has their man in the front office. They've got their head coach. They've got their quarterback. And they ran off one of the biggest misalignments ever into Sean Watson. Watson? And not only did Nick Casario brilliantly stock the cupboards with the capital he got back in that heist, there's still more to come. There's still more great picks for Nick to work with. And just as important as all of that, they have the jungle karma flowing. There's always time for the jungle. And coursing through their veins. Jungle karma. That's what we call alignment. And that alignment is Houston. And that makes them more than just Texas's team, which is a thing. That makes them straight up dangerous. That makes them a threat to anyone and everyone. And they're only getting started. It's not a great week. That's not a great season. That is an incredibly bright future. And I couldn't be more pumped for Nick. And an organization and a fan base that have been to hell and back. And that thing turned fast. Because they made a series of amazing decisions. And they're executing. And they are aligned. And my man Nick created that alignment. Charles Robinson had a great great post on the X of Nick after the game and having guys come in. Awesome, awesome video. Awesome video. And how pumped they all were. Love to, love to see it. Love to see it. <laughs> love to see it. Let's get a phone call in here. Tommy, what do you think? Let's go to Portland. Anthony. It's got a different angle. I like that. Anthony, what's going on? How are you? Romy, doing good. Hey, uh, everybody's been talking about Belichick, but what if they brought in Harbaugh? I'm thinking it's a straight to the Super Bowl if you put Harbaugh with the Cowboys. What do you think? You know, nobody's talking about that. You're right. Nobody's talking about that. Granted, granted, the reason nobody's talking about that is, although it shouldn't have been surprising, nobody expected them to flame out the way they did 
in the wild card round against Green Bay. Like, like nobody thought, I don't think, that Mike McCarthy would be in this much jeopardy. So very quickly the talk shifted to Belichick because of an existing relationship between Belichick and Jerry Jones. So why are we not talking about Harbaugh? Not because they may not have an interest, not because there might not be a fit, but because there hasn't been a whole lot of time to digest this, right? I think that makes sense. Harbaugh reportedly is in L.A., Talking to the Chargers today, the first team. Why he's in L.A. and he hasn't called me yet, I have no idea. Don't, isn't that what you do when you drop in town and you call your friends? I mean, yeah, yo, Van Smack. Jim. Jim, what's going on? Yo, Romy. Romy. Hobbies? Harbaugh to Dallas. I could see that. Hey, here's the problem with all of these things, right? Strong personalities with a strong owner. Harbaugh, although having great success with Frisco, wore out his welcome there. And they were a Super Bowl team. And that was not an owner that had to have credit. So, if the argument is that Belichick is going to clash with Jerry, I'd make the same argument that Harbaugh is going to clash with Jerry. Strong, strong personalities. Now, if you're talking about a coach, if you can somehow, and I don't know that you can, but if you can separate the personalities, Harbaugh's a guy that has had success in the NFL. And what does Dallas need right now? They need to change the culture, right? They absolutely have to change the culture. I think Harbaugh could probably do that. Bring an edge. Bring an edge. So you don't show up in the wild card round afraid. Or timid. Or in a manner in which it would suggest that the stage was too big. Now, that to me is the most incredible thing of all. Green Bay, the and I don't want to hear about ignorance. Ignorance is bliss. Or they didn't know what they didn't know. They knew. They knew exactly where the hell they were. They knew they were in the playoffs in Dallas. And they were big underdogs. They knew what everybody... That's nonsense to me. Uh, they're just so young, they don't know. They know? What are they, morons? They know? They knew, and they went into their house, and they kicked the bleep out of them. Because Dallas wasn't ready. Because for some reason, the stage was too big, and the pressure did get to them. Kind of hard to play the game when you got both hands around your throat. Let's gamble. Let's talk some gambling when we come back. This gambling game is easy, dog. Ask me. <laughs> gambling is too much. I'm on one, but I know that could end any second because it always does. James Kelly and I, Big Head Bets, when we come back. <laughs> 